NPR. Twenty twenty three was meant to be the year for China's economy. After years of heavy COVID restrictions, the Chinese government was loosening up. There was a theory going around that over a billion Chinese people would all of a sudden get out of quarantine and start to spend like drunken sailors. Or like Americans, that's even worse, right? Buying dishwashers, home renovations, fancy meals out, Amazon, you name it, Americans will buy it. And this theory is called revenge spending, buying things just because you couldn't for a long time. But it's been hard to see evidence of revenge spending in the official statistics in China. China's economy seems to be pretty weak these days, if anything. Higher unemployment, house sales plummeting. But you know what? The economy is more than just a collection of official statistics. It's also real people with real stories. Well, there is an economic report we release here in the United States that is all about anecdotes. You're talking about the Beige Book. Uh, yeah, I never miss a chance to bring up the Beige Book. And no one <laughs> says that we can't do a little of that uh, beige magic looking at the Chinese economy, too. Wait, Robert, are we doing this? It's the Beige Awards China Edition. It's a one-time special from us here at The Indicator from Planet Money, an awards show for the best stories that can help us understand why China isn't having its best year after all. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. This spring, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Go to mintmobile.com indicator. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of the Beijing Awards, this time for China. And when we were looking for anecdotes to help us understand China's economy right now, we couldn't help but think of our very own Emily Fang. And we decided to give her a runner-up award. And yes, it's a little bit of self-dealing, but we want to hear from her. Emily is an international correspondent for NPR covering China. One reason the Chinese economy seems to be limping along without revenge spending is that international tourism is down. Emily noticed that there just aren't that many international tourists out and about seeing the Great Wall and such. That is people from outside of China flying into the country to spend money. Yeah, they've dropped off a cliff. Friends of mine who normally would be going back and forth just don't really want to go to China anymore. And do you have any numbers that also show this? So the number that jumped out to me the most is that Travel to China through travel agencies, people not traveling independently, but booking their tours through a recognized company. That subset of numbers alone shows that only 52,000 people went to mainland China in the first quarter of this year. 
That's compared to 3.7 million people who traveled to China this way in the first quarter of 2019 before the pandemic hit. So you've seen a 99% drop in people going to China through tour agencies. 99% drop. That's wow. That's incredible. I mean, part of it, I think, is just the difficulty still of getting to China. But a lot of it is the political circumstances. It's people being really nervous about going. And a lot of people were traveling for work, honestly. And new regulations and policies that have come out in the last four years have made people very wary of investing more in the country or sending their foreign employees there. So this includes fear that the government can at any time force cities to quarantine for weeks on end, and also from geopolitical tensions that have restricted business partnerships and collaborations. Well, thank you, Emily. That is really quite a shocking story of how tourism is really faltering in China at the moment. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the award. No problem. Turning now to the winner of the very first honorary Beijing in China, and we give it to an organization that goes by the name of The China Beige Book. Another fan of The Beige Book in China. We, we love to hear this. And accepting the award now on behalf of China Beige Book is Shazad Kazi. Congratulations, Shazad. Thank you very much. It's an absolute honor to be selected for this award here today by you all. Thank you. So we should explain to the audience what the China Beige Book is, because it is not a, a U.S. government publication. It's not a book, but it's a company? That's exactly right. Uh, you know, we are a private company that conducts large-scale data collection inside the Chinese economy. Um, and the whole idea is that the Chinese economy is a black box. And we wanted to go in there and collect as much data as possible to understand what was truly happening on the ground. A passage that particularly struck us from the July China Beige Book report was this. Robert's going to read it. Quote, two-sided household spending on goods and experiences fizzled out in July. Some, quote, revenge spending industries continue to see strength as travel and chain restaurant sales jump dramatically. But other retailing weekend, with auto sales decelerating most. One of the things that we've now seen played out is that where Chinese consumers have been willing to spend on travel, on hotels, on dining out, that sort of thing, they're spending on other big ticket items like cars and luxury goods and so on and so forth um, has been inconsistent. So you're not getting that powerful revenge spending story play out the way about seven, eight months ago, most people would have told you what happened. Well, it seems that a mistake that a lot of people make is that the Chinese consumer is just like the U.S. consumer. But U.S. consumers spend a lot on themselves and their family compared to the Chinese consumer, just overall, right? That's exactly right. Not only are culturally Chinese consumers much more conservative uh, in their spending habits and spending patterns, but the fact is, in China, you've seen no household-focused stimulus take place whatsoever. So that in itself was one of the biggest roadblocks or hurdles, I think, in, in this whole revenge spending thesis, which got largely unnoticed for some reason. Well, congratulations again, Chezad. Uh, Well-deserved. Thank you so much. Absolute honor to be picked by you for this award. And thank you very much again. You know, Darian, one big difference between the U.S. and Chinese consumers, Chinese people are big savers. The savings rate in China is just under 50%. You look at that rate in the United States, it's under 20%. 
So far, we've had anecdotes about fewer tourists traveling to China. We've seen an unwillingness to spend money on cars and other big ticket items. Now, let's get one more story from China, and this time from a hip restaurant in Beijing. We called up the owner, Nathan. Hey, yeah, this is Nathan. How are you? Nathan asked that we just use his first name. He thought talking frankly to Western journalists could be risky, and we agreed. Nathan's restaurant features fusion food, fancy Chinese with sort of a Western twist, and a lot of natural wine on the menu. And he's used to customers paying the equivalent of $100 or even $200 on wine alone. He says 2023 has been a real contrast to the years before. Before, for the weekend, Friday, Saturday, we, we easily can sell 30 bottles of wine, easily, or more. But now, like in the best day, we're selling maybe 20 bottles. So if we sell 20 wine, we celebrate. 20 bottles of wine is down a third. It's, it's not good at all. That said, Nathan says he looks around and he doesn't see a calamity for all the restaurants in his region. You know, for noodle restaurant or traditional kind of Chinese restaurant, they do really well. But for my type of restaurant, it really affects a lot because people like, you know, really worry about their future, I think. Nathan's seeing cheap restaurants with lots of diners, but he says there's been a real pullback on spending on luxuries like the natural wine that he sells. Still, he's sticking in there. I'm kind of a person who had a passion for good food and for good natural wine. And I don't think I'm going to sell a crappy wine just for meet a major customer need. And that's not what I have the passion for. Nathan is a culinary hero. He's going to persist. Yeah, sticking to his guns. That is what we support. And that's it for this very special China edition of the Beijing Awards, proving that while the Chinese government might be pulling back on official statistics, we can still find other indicators of economic health. And Darian, guess what happens this Wednesday? Another United States Beige book comes out. We'll have the domestic version of the award next week. More Beijing for your buck. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Robert Rodriguez. It was fact-checked by Cooper Katz McKim. Patty Hirsch edited the episode. King Cannon is our editor, and the indicator is a production of NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Your employees are more than your coworkers. They're the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers modern group benefits designed to protect employees and their families with dental, vision, life, and disability coverage. Humana knows every employee and every business is unique. That's why they listen to your needs and build plans with you and your team in mind. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.